Welcome to your Game 5 ALCS Recap Show. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and I am joined by Bob Osgood of Red Sox On Deck uh, to discuss this Game 5. Bob, how you doing, man? Uh, you know, I've been better, but uh, not exactly how we scripted things in these three games at home, but... You know, fortunately, we have more baseball to watch. It's not over yet, but uh, this was this has been a tough 24 hours, to say the least. Yeah, not ideal 24 hours at Fenway Park. Uh, the Red Sox dropped this game nine to one to the Astros, and uh, you know they they go from being tied two to two in this series uh, to being down three games to two. Um, you know, when they were up two games to one, it felt like uh, it was a it was a bigger thing than that because of how they had won those two games. But yet, it, it's just crazy. So I guess we should start with the the biggest uh, thing, the biggest storyline here is just that the bats have gone ice cold uh, over the last two games, and specifically tonight. Um, the only guy with with real hits tonight was was Devers. He had two hits uh, in three at bats. One was a home run. Um, other than that, I mean, the only hit was Christian Vasquez, and it wasn't really anything to speak of. So, um, yeah, the bats have gone completely cold. Do you attribute that to an incredible pitching performance from from Valdez, or do you think that you know it's just bats going cold at the wrong time? Yeah, I mean, the answer is that it's a combination of the two. Um, I don't even think it's just Valdez. I think it started when. Uh, Christian Javier came into the game in game four and then he and Kendall Graveman really shut things down over there you know five six combined innings and Presley throwing a uh, low leverage unexpected inning in the ninth but those were kind of the pitchers you know once McCullers was was out of the mix in this series those are the other pitchers that we outlined um, in the preview between Valdez and Javier being just a key arm. I know that goes back to game four. Um, so I do think that that it has been their better pitchers that have shut the Red Sox bats down. On the uh, like At the same time, there's just nothing doing, and it just happened across the board. Like you said, you know, you got Devers' two hard-hit balls, and then Vasquez didn't even register as a hard-hit ball, a little thinker down the left-field line, and nothing else, and just an inability to get anyone in scoring position, and I'd have to say the the lowest of the low in that group right now is Hunter Renfro, who seems to be making two outs every time that he comes up to the plate. So it's really tough. I would have liked to see maybe a couple other guys get some at-bats, especially once they got down six, eight runs in this game, and just see, you know, whether a Dahlbeck or a Shaw or, or somebody, you know, might put a good at-bat out there so that you could know what you have going into the last couple of games but um so i think you know overall it's a combination of the two we can uh, i'll go, go back to you what what do you think about that before we get into valdez's performance yeah i mean i first of all i, I just think that uh yeah fromber pitched amazing and we'll talk about that in a minute but i i think going back to hunter renfro just how cold he's been too um they definitely relied on him for a lot of thump this year and uh, Alex Spear had a tweet uh, about an hour ago as we're recording this. It said Hunter Renfro joins Irv Norin uh, as the only players ever with multiple games with multiple grounded double plays in a single postseason. So uh, not exactly the type of list you want to join. And you had said he's been uh, making two outs every time, and you're not <laughs> wrong. Um, and that, that was last done in 1955. So um, he is... 
he's historically cold right now in the postseason, and it's not what you want to see from him. Um, you know, on the on the flip side, uh, Devers eight home runs uh, in the postseason before turning twenty five. Uh, that is tied with Mickey Mantle, Pujols, and Correa uh, for a record. So that is pretty damn good. Yeah, I think we all want to see him get taken care of this off season. Um, but that's another discussion for another day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But let's talk about Framber. So uh, he was absolutely lights out tonight um, for the Astros. gave gave them eight strong innings. Um, Two seamer was just a complete bowling ball. Nobody could do anything with it. Every time people made contact with it, it was a ground ball. And then the curveball, uh, which is typically his best out pitch, was pretty fabulous tonight as well. Uh, got a bunch of strikeouts on that pitch. So. I mean, overall, he was just in the zone. He was doing whatever he wanted. His control was excellent. Um, I think he, I mean, he pitched like an ace for that team tonight. And really, I think the biggest thing that I took away after game three for the Red Sox was, wow, pitching is really set up to be an advantage for the Red Sox. And then the Astros were able to kind of muscle their way through uh, the win in game four, and then Fromber's performance really reset the table. For me, I think, you know, moving forward to game six, um, I'm not sure the Red Sox really have that much of a pitching advantage anymore. No, they they really let one get away early in game four when they had Greinke on the ropes, and that's just the turning point for me um, because that game seemed like um, you know, I think we had talked on this after the game two of just how important game three was for Houston to win. When they didn't win that game, it seemed like game four needed to go Boston's way. And then you've got them on the ropes. And even if this happens today, you still just need to take one in Houston. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody gets a day off now. You'd have to think Valdez is available for multiple innings in relief in a potential game seven. Um, you know, you look at a game six, I think Ivaldi has been the best pitcher in the American League in the playoffs. Um, you know, Valdez throwing his, his hat in there as well now. Uh, so you have to think that they have a slight advantage there, but then it's going to be a kitchen sink game on both teams uh, in Game 7. So, yeah, I mean, this everything that's happened the last two nights really even things out, and then you throw the home field advantage in for Houston, and it's going to be uh, quite a mountain to climb here. Yeah, and on the flip side for the Red Sox tonight, Chris Sale uh, went five and a third innings, uh, only allowed three hits, two earned runs, four runs total, struck out seven, only walked two. Um, Chris sailed me. I think this this story that we can't lose uh, in, in this 9-1 loss here is just that Chris Sale looked really good uh, for most of the game. Um, you know, the stuff was more crisp than it usually is. Um, his pitches were really high velocity for him um his strikeouts tonight mike monaco tweeted this out um 98.5 miles per hour uh, on his last strikeout fastest pitch since 2018 um he was just he was dealing he he was amped up he seemed to get better as the game went on uh it was unfortunate that kyle schwarber uh dropped that ball uh, at first base, and you know Altuve was able to make his way over to third base. Um, I thought Chris Sale deserved a lot better than he got tonight. Yes, totally agree. You, I was going to say exactly that with when I saw ninety eight uh, on the broadcast on that strikeout, and 
in the fourth and the fifth innings coming off the mound, just seeing how amped he was, and he was averaging 95-plus on that fastball. Um, I thought his command looked better. I didn't think he missed as many spots as he had in recent games. And even when he was, if you're throwing over 95 it, and as explosive as his fastball looked today, it was just a totally different Chris Sale. And I thought we saw flashes of that in the game before. I think the week off that he had, you know, he'd really thrown with four days rest so many games in a row. And I think he had the week off, and you could kind of see that he was close to vintage sale in the first game even though the results weren't as good I you know game one I don't think the umpire was gave him any favors either but I thought he was close and today was the game that we've been waiting for um at least through five innings which probably leads us into the discussion in the sixth but he had you know uh, 12 whiffs which was the same amount as Valdez had the entire game uh in eight innings which tells you just how different both of their approaches were um which both can be effective of course yeah, it's just a great sign, uh, you know, moving forward for Chris Sale. Even if even if the Red Sox end up losing this series, which you know isn't a foregone conclusion at this point, um, but it, it's a great sign for next year and just how good good he looked tonight. But let's discuss that sixth inning. So it started off with uh, Chris Sale getting into a little bit of trouble, uh, walking Altuve. Um, then that aforementioned error with Brantley being safe at first, um, Altuve over at third. Um, you know, Bregman grounds out. Uh, Chris Sale makes the play on that one, um, or not that that play. Um, he grounds out, and uh, then we have the Alvarez double to left. And I think this is the first time that you could really start second guessing Cora in the game. Alvarez had already done damage against Chris Sale uh, a couple other times that he'd been up. He clearly had Chris Sale's number here. Uh, Alvarez is a lefty. Uh, Chris Sale is a lefty as well. So, you know, he can be pretty tough on lefties. I didn't have a problem with him facing Alvarez, but a lot of people pointed out correctly that, you know, letting Chris Sale go through the order for a third time, probably not the wisest idea. I didn't really love the move of Brazier coming into the game. Um, I don't think Brazier's looked particularly good lately, but... You know, I'm curious to, to hear what your take is on, on that because when, when Chris Sale left the game, it was 3 nothing, and then, you know, Brazier ends up allowing three more runs. Yeah, I think that there's two places that you can question in that sixth inning. Um, the first is whether he should have started the sixth inning. Um, when he got through the fifth and uh, just was, I, I want to say he was close to 80 pitches or so, I thought that was going to be it for him. I thought it was a weird time for Cora to suddenly decide, you know, that we're going to let a, a player go the, the third time through the order. And you look at sales game logs throughout the year, and it's, you know, five, five, five and a third. You know, there was one six. There was only one six inning appearance the whole season. And then it was three and two thirds and five, five, five and a third. I mean, that was where he was coming out the whole year, and I thought it was really kind of not only pushing him beyond what he had done, I thought he gave you as much as you could have asked for in that game, but then not having anyone up, it seemed like, at least that I saw to start the inning. I I mean, I don't know where Tanner Houck has been. I know he threw a long ball early in the series, but the dude threw a perfect game over like two weeks recently that I just, I don't know. I mean, I think he's one of your two or three best relievers, and we didn't see him in Boston at any time, and I think there's multiple times I could look back to to say, that it might have been a good spot uh, to bring Hulk into the game if, 
you know, in the pregame, if I was drawing it up, I would have said if you can get Sale to five, and if you can get Hulk for two or three, and then maybe you patch together like a Taylor or a Whitlock at the end, that's the ideal way of doing it. Um, so that was kind of the first part, at least for me personally. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, when Alvarez was up, I could see maybe putting him on with first base open. Obviously, it's not Sale's fault that there was an error in there, but it probably would have made it a lot easier um, you know, to intentionally walk if there was just one man on and two outs rather than to load the bases. So definitely a couple spots that you can question there, but my perspective was just even letting him go through third time through the order um, to start the, the sixth was pushing him a little too far. As good yeah. as he looked. <laughs> you know, like looking back in the rear view, I think optimally the way that I would have done it if if I was in control here is I would have gone to Taylor um, to start the sixth inning, um, you know, take care of a, a tough lefty in Alvarez uh, who's already, you know, been doing a lot of damage. He ended the night with three hits, uh, three RBIs. I, I think I would have gone him. Brazier just hasn't looked great. Um, yeah. And... I just don't trust any of the other lefties uh, on this team right now. I don't really trust Darwin's and Hernandez. Uh, Martin Perez is is awful. Um, yeah. I, I'm still questioning the decision to go with uh, Martin Perez on this this ALCS roster rather than uh, our buddy Big Fudge. But you know that's that's right. a story for another day. But it it just doesn't seem like the bullpen was utilized in the best possible way. Uh, even if, you know, Cora saw what we saw, he saw a Chris Sale who was completely amped up and pitching great and uh, didn't have a ridiculously high pitch count. I mean, when a guy's pumping 98 and striking guys out, I get the idea of letting him get a little bit more run, but you got to have somebody like Taylor up and ready to rock. It's a good point. Taylor is another option that easily, you know, if you are okay with Sale starting the inning, Taylor's at least has to be up in the sixth inning if there's a possibility of a huge spot. I mean, Jordan had hit two rockets. He hit a home run that was, Sale missed his spot probably on the wrong side of the plate, but it was still a tough pitch that he went the other way with, and then he did the same thing again. I don't know how you allow that to happen a third time, regardless of, you know, we can argue about which pitcher it should have been, but uh, I do know that 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 should have either been an intentional walk or a different pitcher. Yeah, I would have been fine with an intentional walk to him as well with with how well he was seeing the ball tonight. Um, All right, looking forward. Red Sox have to go back to Houston. They have to win two games in Houston to uh, win this series. Uh, The Nationals did it a couple years ago, so it's it's possible. Um, However, it is not probable. What are you thinking for game six? Yeah, I think that the day off is enormous here. I think that a lot of the analysis I heard after Game 3 on some of the local radio stations that were talking like the series was over, and I'm thinking, what what am I missing here? It's 2-1, to one, <laughs> right. right? I feel like we're going to have the exact opposite. You know, this series is over that we're going to be hearing for two days, and I might choose not to listen to anything until... Friday night, but it, it's not over. I mean, this is a, a, a well-managed team that I think will put this in the past in the same way as they put Game 1 in the past. And you have to look at it as, you know, if I don't know who's starting Game 6. I don't know that that's been announced yet for Houston, but if it's Ivaldi versus Garcia again, that's your edge. 
So yeah. you have to look at it as hoping that you have the edge there, and then you've got Erod and Pavetta as some sort of tandem in Game Seven, uh, with maybe Urquidy and and Javier and everyone else on Houston side, right? So Game Seven, yeah, you gotta who knows? Think, uh, but... Yeah, Sale's probably available for a Game Seven too if you get yeah. there. Yeah. So I mean, all hands on deck, obviously. Exactly. So, but but I think that having that Game Six on paper advantage with Ivaldi is huge, and that he's gone past the fifth inning four times and uh your bullpen certainly rested all the names that we just talked about didn't pitch today and they're not going to pitch tomorrow so you'd have to think they can give you multiple innings um on either day if a starter goes out early so i don't think this series is by any means over i don't feel super confident about it but i also have watched this team lose two to baltimore in the final week when they needed to get in the playoffs so they've proved me wrong time and time again (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, just when you think this team is out, they uh, always rise back from the grave. So you're absolutely right. All they have to do is win one game, and then anything can happen in a game seven. So uh, pivotal game six coming up on Friday. Uh, You got any predictions for us before we get out of here? Oh, I I put after McCullers was out, I said Houston in seven uh, on our round table. So I'm going to stick with that and – I'm going to go vomit a little bit on the way out of here today. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think the Sox force a game seven, and then, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's our that's our show today. Uh, stick with us. We'll be with you uh, after game six. Uh, not necessarily Bob and I, but some combination of the, the lovely voices on this network will be with you uh, after game six and game seven, if there is one. And, uh, you know, Bob and I, pretty confident there will be. Or... <laughs> You know, mildly confident there will be anyway. Uh, So thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Bob, and we'll be with you again next time.